this and every episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast brought to you by People State Bank, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, the Andrews Insurance Agency, and Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Let's go white. Well, I hope you like 1986 because we got a heavy dose of it tonight on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. I hope you are well wherever you are listening to this. Our fellow Salukis got the whole gang here. Chip, Dave, and Gary. How's it going, fellas? Doing great. Doing well. I know I like the summer of 86. I know that for a fact, so I'm real excited about this. I'm, I'm not sure, and I'm Brian Emmons, for those of you that uh, are new to the podcast, but um, I'm not sure that I got ever any cooler in life than I was in, in 1986. So that's uh, got think, that going for me. I think the reason that I liked it, we know with the four of us talked about it a lot, but I, this is the first year that like I liked music in 84 probably, in the 80, but 86 I think is when I really – started loving music and what a summer that was for music. We'll talk about that more, but yeah, this is a big summer for sure. Yeah, for sure. We want to uh, thank our sponsors, of course, Gray's Restaurant, Andrew's Insurance Agency, Tyler Griffith's Pizza House, and of course, the great folks at People's State Bank. I don't know how we would have ever known what the temperature was without People's State Bank. You know, like you didn't. Them. I mean, Vincent, you had a phone number you could call. I remember <laughs> yeah. doing that. A lot but a lot in, of times, yeah. In, in, in Bridgeport, I don't know what you do if you didn't ride your bike downtown or take a car by. And a great staff. You didn't listen to one of our shows, I don't know, six months to a year ago. They're, they're eventually, like in the early 90s, was a number you could call in Lawrenceville for the time and temperature. I found it in one of the papers when we were researching, and I called it in 2022, and it still works. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's awesome. Someone's still paying for that to work. <laughs> that's funny. I, uh, I was, we were just talking, my daughter and I, who's she's 16, and, and we were – Talking about, I, I forget what brought it up, but I said, you know, it, it's funny to think now, like, if you didn't hear a score of whatever ball game, and, and I'm talking major leagues here for you youngsters that are listening to this, if you didn't stay up and watch Dennis Campbell or whoever, like, you just didn't know until the next morning when you got up and listened to Kent or Steve or whoever on Waco or or whatever. Now, once ESPN got going, that helped a, a, a little. But at, for a long time, like, if, if you didn't hear it on the local news, you didn't hear it. And word yep. just spread. Word spread a little slower back then. So... And we're here to fill in some of those gaps, those things that you may have missed with yeah. the word spreading <laughs> slower. We're, that's what we're here for. We're going to go through the summer of 86. We're going to go June, July, a little bit of August. And, um, yeah, we're, a lot of info to cover here. Absolutely. Well, we'll get started here in just a minute. Chip's going to lead us off. He's got the, the first part of, of that summer. But I did want to mention um, longtime school board member, fantastic community member, my 
best friend in the world's father, Tom Heath, passed away. And we just, uh, as a podcast, want to uh, send our condolences to to the entire Heath family. Like I say, Tom was was not just a member of the community. He was part of the school district. You know, he helped helped shape the way things were for, for many, many years as, as a school board member. So we definitely didn't want to do this podcast with, without mentioning and, and, uh, and, and our sincere condolences to to Elaine and, and Mark and Neil and the entire family. Um, so, Tom Heath, you will be missed, my man. With that, Chip, let's get her started here. Uh, I think you're going to start somewhere right around the 1st of June in 1986. Yeah, I'm going to go actually a little out of order here. One thing, I the Daily Records did not have the leaderboards for the uh, Lawrence County Open they had the winners, which there was nobody really local at the top. So they didn't have the full leaderboards. So I do have it up on my screen here on another computer I'm looking at. So on the Sun Commercial website. So I, if I would have skipped the Lawrence County Open, I know we would have had some listener uh, feedback. Oh, they would have been, would have been furious. That. That's right. I would have been the first one probably. <laughs> so just a little bit. I, I'm just going to run through. I did not prepare for this at all. Just some names that... Um, uh, Roy Dillard, uh, we saw his picture on the uh, Facebook page. Yeah, um, draining a putt with with some a, really really snazzy pants on. Those were, and the shoes were snazzy. Yeah, some some nice words said about uh, Mr. Dillard, and uh, he was golfing in the championship flight. No no surprise there, and he did finish um, seven shots off the lead with a one fifty three. Of course, Don Allen ball was the winner in 1986. Um, the Allen has dominated for a long time. Looking at the a flight, Dick poppy shot a one sixty three. That was 14 behind Lee Bach, the winner. Um, of course, Dick poppy is one of the people responsible for this podcast tonight. Yep. Uh, Dave, Dave Piper was 10 shots back. Like I say, not a, not a lot of names at the top of the leaderboard, but I just want to make sure I gave it a, about one minute of time here. So looking at the B flight, I'm not sure where my my dad must have not been involved in the 86 tournament. Not sure why. Um, but in the B flight, no one. Oh, yeah. A birthday boy, Todd Gray. Finished, no um, well, finished. I think, think they have a score correct here. Uh, looks like he shot a. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he was only about. Uh, six shots back, but I think they're off by it might be about 36 shots back. <laughs> so, Sorry, Todd. A lot of the guys, a lot of guys WD, but it sounds like maybe he played the whole weekend. Yeah, good for him. to him for that. Yeah, it's actually 86, 26, about 28 <laughs> shots back, I think. That's so, not, um, so but yeah, happy birthday to Todd Gray today. Well, and, and, and we'll see. So what birthday would that have been for Todd? Somewhere, let's see, how many years ago are we talking here? So, so this was 37 years ago. So Todd's somewhere um, in his, what, he was late, late 20s, late 20s early 30s? 30s well, I bet when he went out that night, I bet he and, he and Becky just shared a beautiful moment, and I bet they slow danced to this number one song in the country, Live to Tell by Madonna. And number one movie in the country, that toothpick in his mouth, Sylvester Stallone as Cobra made $7 million 
dollars. Yeah, seven million dollars that weekend. So that was a big weekend. Okay. Uh, before we go any further, can we talk about where we are? I like always saying kind of like where, yes, where our I, ages yeah, we, were. We, yeah, thank you, Gary. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Well, well I do my pull best. Pull the podcast uh, back together here. I, I had just turned 11 years old in between my fifth and sixth grade year, I believe. That'd be right. So that's that's where I was, playing Little League Baseball. Yeah, I was 13 and just finished seventh grade at Red Hill Junior High, and I was playing Babe Ruth League for the Bridgeport Bulldogs. We'll hear more about the Bulldogs later in this podcast. Dave, where were you at this time? Where were you, Dave? I was fresh out of sixth grade, 11 years old, going on 12, um, still living. Hadn't I think we just, mom and dad just started building their new house, but we were still living down by uh, my grandma and grandpa Schrader. And... Way out in the country, way out in the country. I'm still out in the country now, but I was really out in the country then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, 17, about to turn 18, and I was uh, just getting my my uh, first uh, delights in wine, women, and song. So I was having a, uh, I had one heck of a summer. I think that's probably happened a few years before that, probably. But I was the guess. Yeah, I've I've got some cost of living and things that I'll sprinkle in too, but. Uh, the the average cost of a new house was eighty nine thousand four hundred and thirty dollars. Solid. This was Dude, in seems high. This was <laughs> it. This was like in like nationwide. Uh yes. Okay, okay not. No, 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 okay. not just okay. everything. Yeah, that's in the whole. Lawrence program. County was probably a little less than that. Then I have a feeling. <clears throat> All right. It- any other cost of living here? You want me to keep going through the month of June? <laughs> How about a uh, what do you think a what do you think a jar of Skippy cost you in nineteen eighty six? Dollar fourteen. Dollar forty nine. Oh, sorry, Dave. Okay. I was gonna say two fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, so I'm gonna. I'm just. I went through every paper in June of the Daily Records, and we'll talk more about the nineteen eighty six Daily Records in a little bit for those that are following along at home on this broadcast. I'm just going to go through just some quick here, some things I uh, found, some of them that we'll talk about, some of them we'll just keep moving through. Uh, a couple we'll spend a little a little more time on. So Joe Jones wrote a real nice editorial on June 2nd on page four there of the Daily Record. And one thing I mentioned sometimes, because it's it's all over social media, you see like the, uh, the, um, the parents getting thrown out of the uh, Little League game for yeah. going after yeah. the umpire. And I always mention, well, I – it gets more attention now with social media and everything, but that's been around for a while. And Joe did a great editorial. He wrote a fictional story about a 10 year old boy who wasn't having fun playing baseball anymore. Uh, the coaches were more concerned about winning than teaching the fundamentals. Uh, parents were screaming at umpires, wanting to meet them in the parking lot. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I thought those are the kind of things we see in the news today, but just we'll be talking a little, a lot about now, we had there were definitely the moments at the Little League field and the Babe Ruth field, Bridgeport, Lawrence County. We're not immune to it, but we had a. It wasn't too bad, but of course Joe Jones has been around. He's seen it and wrote this fictional story with a lot of real life. Yeah, uh, was it was it fictional or were the names That's just changed the name to protect the innocent? <laughs> um, so it it has some been something that's been around for a while. So I thought that that kind of set the tone for my research yeah. there with a lot of sports going on. Red Hill Junior High graduation happened on June 2nd. So on the June 3rd, Mike McKinney made the cover of the paper. Nice. Uh, so that class of 1990, congratulations. They received their di- 
diplomas from Doug Andrews or their certificates from Doug Andrews, and they're moving on to school board president Doug Andrews. They're moving on to Red Hill High School. So they will be the freshmen for Brino's senior class this upcoming school year. Okay. Let's now before one thing I wish the Daily Record had, I wish they had little Bridgeport Little League coverage. They have Lawrenceville Minor League. They have Lawrenceville Little League. Mm. There's been some years, a couple times in the 70s, there was some Bridgeport Little League coverage, maybe early 80s. But in the 80s, there was never Bridgeport Little League coverage. But before I complain about that, because I would have liked to have that information. Oh, complain away. On June 4th, there was a blurb. If you want your, you know, you need your stats, your game summaries in the paper, fill out this form, have it to the daily record by nine o'clock AM each morning. And it'll be printed in that evening's edition of the paper. Now, how, so, uh, you got to drive to Lawrenceville for this, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. You have to- <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not scanning that over at that point. Correct. You no have facts. to drop it off there on yeah, state no street. Facts. Um, I still don't understand but, how in the world a fax machine works, and we've blown by that technology. <laughs> yeah, but so I, I'm glad that and Joe Jones is really hitting his stride in these in 1986. He's really coming into his own. The Daily Record. He had a big month of June, and so yeah, we could have had the Bridgeport Little League summaries in the paper, but it wasn't something that I mean we had, we got good coverage on Thursday in the Bridgeport Leader, I assume. Um, but it would have been nice to have those each, each evening in the paper. Speaking of that, we've got an idea. We're, we haven't formulated it yet, but we may be taking up a new cause to figure out a way to raise some money and do something that will greatly change this podcast. So more to uh, more to uh, come on that. What's Dylan doing? I don't think I know about this. So I'm <laughs> we Am mentioned I the only one that doesn't know what this. No, is? we you, we mentioned it. I I, I don't think okay. we fully explored it yet. But all right, I'm excited to find out what we're gonna do. <laughs> when I say, when I tell you, you're gonna go. Oh, I do that. Yeah, I thought um, maybe just Brian and Chip knew about it. They were leaving me and King out. Maybe I just thought of it. And I didn't tell you guys. That could be, folks. I formulated a plan that I need to share with my podcast partners. Happy 27th anniversary to Waco Radio on June 4th, or the week during the month of June. We're celebrating all month long. Wow. Uh, to me, Only they, 27? I was going to say, Just Steve, a little Soviet, babies. Born in ni- or June 9th, 1959 is when they went on okay. the air for the first time at 6 a.m. on June 9th. So, yeah, it seemed like such an older, you yeah. know, polished radio station already at the young age of 27, but they were very young now, and and. It, and cra- and that, it's crazy that that was 37 years ago. That, so they're, they are up there in age now. Well, I tell you what else. If you went to Huck's, um, you could get a jumbo hot dog and a 12-ounce in, soda for only 99 cents. Oh. Was, that a hot, was that a hot dog? A jumbo hot dog. <laughs> That's a great deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a fender bender on the night of June 4th. Um, I did, since it's some popular names here. There were no injuries. I wouldn't have talked about if there were injuries or anything like that, or I may have, but 
um, since we have, <laughs> I would have been serious about it, but, uh, this is, yeah, um, I, I know how that one serious story went. I, I'll, if you people could hear that, the, that blooper reel, holy cow, um, 17 year old Danny K Ash. So Danny is just graduated from Red Hill high school. He's about a week, week, week and a half out of Red Hill. Um, did have a little fender bender out there on 250. So we're three miles west of Bridgeport on 250, and we're heading eastbound. Okay. So everybody get their bearings of okay. where we're at here. I've got I've, I've got a good idea. Okay. Um, and um, the 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 minor collision and it, well, no injuries, but I think a lot of damage to the cars. Uh, Joe Joe Latch, Joey oh. Latch, so 1978 grad who. Um, one of Brino's favorite basketball players from that era. Oh, yeah. So I love Joe it, it was about 9.15 at night, so no injury. I don't think there well, maybe, yeah, a couple tickets maybe. But <laughs> I was going to say no tickets, but now that I think back on it. I think there was. There may have been some tickets. A couple so. violations thrown around. <laughs> I just want to make sure since those are some big names there. <laughs> um, the Scoop, you know, it was called Mr. Drumstick. Then it was The Scoop. Now it's called The Sandwich Queen. It didn't matter what that place was called. I don't know if you guys ate there a lot, but the food was always delicious at the Sandwich Queen. Now, where was this? Uh, Jay's Plaza, right there by Idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Mr. Drumstick. Yes, <laughs> yes. So now we're the Sandwich Queen, okay. and uh, they got a special dollar pizza burgers and dollar concretes mm. right now. So um, Vacation Bible School is coming up at First Christian Church in Lawrenceville. One of our listeners, she never misses an episode, so I want to make sure I mention that. Uh, Mary Jamerson's going to be teaching the third through fifth grade class there. All right. And uh, Chip Jamerson was mentioned in the paper. He's going to be a helper at Bible school. <laughs> oh, how much help did you really do? I, a lot. Because <laughs> Come what, on. No, I helped out in the gym. All right. I was at Bible school every year. I can't really, I can never tell you what year was weird, but 86, I can tell you because I remember we played like a musical chairs or hot potato, something like that. We play music in the uh, gym. I was helping out in there. And I remember I was playing If You Leave by OMD, which was a big hit <laughs> oh, in great, night, great song. spring, great summer song, of 86. Yeah. Yes. So I remember I was using that as our like musical chairs or hot potato song. Okay. Um, one picture I always look forward to in the paper, some more church news here, is the confirmation at St. Lawrence. There was always some big names in there. Um, I'm not Catholic. I don't under, I don't know the whole confirmation process, but it was usually junior high kids. Well, you see, Chip. High. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to fill us in there, feel free uh, to. Okay. But, um, yeah, we want the names is what we want, I believe. Oh, yeah. uh, always big names. In 1986, we had um, a couple of my classmates, classmates Angie Abel and Chad Inyert, um, have, and, and I believe this is a combination of like the Bridgeport Catholic Church and the Lawrenceville one. They all kind of come together uh, for this big confirmation ceremony. Uh, Jennifer and Julie Herring oh, confirmed. Yeah, good job. Friends of the podcast. Um, Debbie Scott confirmed friend of the podcast. Jeez. So yeah. Uh, Jason star, Williams star studded um, class over there. Um, Stephanie Poe. She's now Stephanie white married to Jason white. I was at their lovely home in Louisville, Kentucky a couple months ago, uh, for my fantasy baseball draft. So congratulations to Stephanie. And of course, Marty Fry, a friend of the podcast. We know Adam 
listens to every episode. So I'm sure Marty has been involved in some episodes, has listened to some episodes as well. So <laughs> if you want that full list, there's like 34 names. Go to the June 6th, 1986 paper if you need that. Hey, did um, it say what kind of car? Oh, I just pulled it up here. I was just going to see what car Danny Ash wrecked. Uh, it's cut out like an, you can't. Yeah. It, I, I wonder like if the it, tickets was, and, it had to be that real long blue car that he drove, right? In I would think it, if that's what he was driving in 86. It would, had to be. Pretty, pretty safe vehicle. I mean, it probably weighed about three tons. And, it, it definitely it definitely says 1970-something. So I bet anything it's that real long car. And um, now some some sad news. It's going to bring Brian some income. But it's some sad news oh, for Rhino's family. Can I guess this? And yeah, let me, I'll finish. Okay, right. yeah. it, it, it will be actually some unfortunate news for Rhino's family, um, but ended up landing on their feet. Uh, so, Brian, <laughs> what's happening in the summer of 86? Uh, subtle apparatus in Lawrenceville is closing. Yeah, right now they're just kind of, it. it's looking like it's going to close. There's going to be, a, a, in about two weeks, we'll know for sure. Um, but all signs are pointing to, uh, subtle, they manufacture something there. What, what did subtle do, Brian? Like what did they made? They like, I've like, asked you this on the podcast before. It made like I, telephone parts, like that's right. rotary, like real telephones. So yeah, this is about employees. Um, I've got some more information later, but around a hundred, at least a hundred people are going to be affected by this. So that's, that's a, for a, that's a, that's a big hit to, to Lawrence County. So that was definitely big in the news in June. The Delts, if there's something about the Delts, we're going to talk about it on here. And what the Delts are doing now, they're trying to revive the teen center. Oh. So I kind of oh. missed out on the I guess the teen center was really big in the 70s. We know it. We it, we they do revive it because it came back in the late 80s. I know it. So I kind of missed all the. It was like before I was in like. It was when I was really little, and then when I was already in high school, it was mostly at junior high dances. So um, there's a group, uh, Brenda Bobe, Pam Nolan, Patty White, they've all got kids getting ready to come through that junior high there. And they are, I think they were um, kids, teens, when the teen center started, and they want the same for their children. Uh, so there, it was a big story in June. There was lots of, there was a campaign, obviously. They were getting people to write letters to the editor, because every week there were letters in support of the teen center from oh, kids that yeah. wanted a place to hang out to adults, to uh, police officer, Dave white. Um, sure. His wife, Patty white, who's leading this crusade um, pushed him to write this letter. Um, but yes. So the teen center is guaranteed to make a comeback. So for those that are, are a little bit younger than us, congratulations on yeah. getting the teen center back. Well, and for Gary and Dave, I think they've been, they got to, I went to a lot of dances at that. They were place. beneficiaries <laughs> of this, yes. Yeah, so thank Brian you, Mrs. And Bobe and Mrs. Yeah. Uh, Nolan and the others involved. Yeah, I had a great time there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have very – wasn't there very often. I remember – I, I do remember Gary going to a dance there. Was that oh, a yeah. birthday party or – Something I'm sure I remember they, they were all there. Yeah, none of them were like officially school sponsored, obviously, but yeah. like, bir yeah, birthday parties. Hey, Brian, and I picked him up there one night. Yeah, that was a, and then, that was a fun night. <laughs> and um, I think Dave, didn't you have a class reunion at the teen center? Like, uh, yeah, I didn't go to it, but in 20, uh, it would have been about 25th, so in 2017. I thought that was a great idea by your class, kind of bringing back the yeah. memories of where you had all those dances. 
uh, way back when. So is it still? Yeah, so, so what is it now? Is it still a teen center or something? Well, it was as of five years ago. I yeah. don't know if it's, you don't hear much about it. No. Yeah, I don't know if it's still going or not. Or if people just rent it out for parties yeah, or something. Maybe I, it's, yeah, or yeah. maybe not officially a teen center. I guess it could be. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if you know that, leave a message in our comments there and let us know what the uh, what's going on at the teen center now. Um. The oh Brian, this is news for you. Report cards are ready to be picked up. So yeah, I guess back then you didn't get the report cards at the end of the school year, at the high school at least. I think everybody else got them at the end of the school year, but uh because they had to figure in finals and all that. Um, the report cards you can eight to noon or one to four to pick up those report cards. They are ready. And this is as of June 11th. They're ready. Yep. Uh, I've got an update here on the Lawrenceville Teen Center. I did find a Facebook page, and okay. the last post was May 13th of 2017. Oh. <laughs> right, right. right about the time Dave was having yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, no, there's a live view of this dance going on at the teen center, and it is it is not David King's group. They are much, much younger. But uh, so, so that reunion was the Sunday after Thanksgiving 2017. Okay. So it was still going as of, you know, a few months later. Right. Okay. So if I have any more updates, I'll br break in as needed. Oh, we had a big letter to the editor. Along with Dave, Officer David White's letter and another one asking for the uh, teen center, um, a scathing uh, letter to the editor. Uh, I love these. Around this is in the June 11th issue. If you're following along, Brian, on page two, or listeners at home, if you're following along, uh, really ripping on the teachers of Unit 10. It's a long letter. I'm not going to read oh, through wow. the whole thing here. I can say it's free on the Lawrenceville Library website, but um, really ripped into the teachers um horse uh they get the three-month vacation a lot a lot of in as a teacher I, I get there's a lot of inaccuracies in here but basically the teachers aren't giving their you know aren't being fair to this uh author's son and so forth mm. and then she even goes into ripping on roadmaster so cheer oh, up nice. teachers. at least you don't work for roadmaster you're not getting cut and burned Covered with grease and oil. Seems like seems like you can things smoke are going well. Get a drink whenever you want to. <laughs> you can go to the bathroom whenever you desire. As a teacher, no, you can't go to the bathroom whenever you desire. I will tell you that. Uh, no one took away your insurance and retirement benefits. You haven't been allowed, not allowed to get sick. You haven't had your pay cut by more than two dollars an hour. So, oh. um, and you're not even allowed to get sick. <laughs> God, that's now that's strict. So, yeah, I mean, this, the, the teachers are mean. They're not teaching well. They need to be in college every summer learning the latest. It, it's well written. It's just, I don't know. It's written by Nancy McCullough. I mean, she put her name on there. So oh, she did put her name on there. Okay. This is not Matt's family. This is the family that we lived on by Kyle Turner, I believe, on Lanterman Street there by the high school. That oh. I believe it's that McCullough family. Well, I so. hope things got better. Um, cause I did, I, they had some younger ones, um, a little bit younger than me. So I'm assuming it's some kids at seed school that they're upset with, but we know we had a great education at seed school. And there was a letter to the editor a couple weeks later, talking about how good the teachers in unit 10 are and so forth. So that was, it was not signed. It was name withheld, but, um, that came later. The editor did reply to Nancy McCullough's, um, complaints about unit 10 teachers and really complaints about roadmaster as well. Um, and he just said, we only hope you feel better after venting your frustrations in your letter. So yeah. hopefully she felt yeah. better. Uh, so 
Good, uh, um, just went on Google Earth to look up the Teen Center. The good news is it's still marked Teen Center. It looks great. The bad news yeah. is if you turn around, Lawrenceville High School is has not been burned yet. So still no good updates on the Teen. Yeah. Okay. Keep throughout the episode, if you could please keep us updated on that. Uh, we had a June 12, um, June 13th. I've got a school board meeting. Not a lot going on at the June 13th school board meeting. A long executive session, over three hours long, three hours and 18 minutes long. All the principals were brought in. Um, off the top of my head, that was would have been H.J. Rice, Dennis Kimmel at the junior high, uh, Lynn Jamerson at Seed School, Mike Cummins at Washington School. Uh, I believe at that time, Mr. Kimmel was probably maybe the petty principal also at that time. So that, I think that covers the principals that Tim, would have been. Did you say Tim Miller? Tim Miller at the yeah. K-5-6 Center. Yep, he was in there. Um, but basically some teachers had been let go like on June 1st, as of June 1st, rift. But by June 13th, they've looked at class sizes and it looks like we can't oh, have them. Everybody that was let go is brought back on. So um, Robbie Ford, uh, Diana Dykus, uh, Pam Cummins, Sherry Baker, Sue Luthi. Uh, of course, some of these are longtime teachers. So I don't know if they were just on, working half time at, the, at that time. Because we know Mrs. Luthi only worked half time um, for during this era, I believe. So I don't know if that's why those, I know Mrs. Dykus worked all day, but she was a young teacher at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the teachers that were let go. But so it was a long 13 days for them, I'm sure, but oh, they bet. do have their yeah, jobs back. Didn't have a job for a while. Hey, but uh, they could celebrate by listening two days after that school board meeting, Casey Kasem went down the countdown and this was the number one song in the country. Patty LaBelle and Michael McDonald on my own. Such a Gary Emmons he, He's a big Michael McDonald guy. So that's a good song. Probably my first introduction to Michael, Michael McDonald, more than likely, if I was to guess. Yeah, I was listening to the Serious Countdown this past week in the 80s on 8 Countdown, and they did 86. And I definitely thought of you guys throughout that countdown, especially when a Gary and Brian song were right back to back. We had silent running like at number 11 oh, or something like great, that. Yeah. Uh, Brian probably has the exact date right in front of me, but 10, 11, 10. And then right after that, like at number 10 was no one is to blame by Howard Jones. I mean, the, mm. you don't get much Gary, more Gary and Brian. Well, than you those were two songs. Yeah. You were talking about subtle closing and that summer I worked, I worked over there to get rid of their shelving and take it down in their warehouse. Me and two, two kids from Lawrenceville. Uh, Captain of Her Heart by Double and No One is to Blame by Howard Jones played back-to-back probably five times a day on, <laughs> on WAKO. And that on my own, I just look in here, my next song isn't till July 5th. So that was the number one song in the country from June 14th oh, to July 5th. Yeah, got a good run. Big hit. Um, Gary Gloucester from, he, uh, from Potomac was at that board meeting. He will start July 1 as the superintendent. So he was there and he did ask to sit in on executive session, which is, um, yeah. And they, I believe they, cause this was some major, you know, five teachers and their, this was a big discussion. So this was stuff I, that was going to affect him, affect him. Yeah. So I believe they did let him sit in on executive session because it wasn't going to help. Or it wasn't really going to affect Gene more that much. Cause he was down to his last two weeks on the job there. So, um, yeah, it was good to see him there. He, and, He'll start a nice little run here in a couple weeks. 
And of course, Brian always likes to talk about the bids. There's no information on bids, but we got bids going out for gas, diesel, oil, coal, LP, gas, milk, and student insurance. No and bread? I, I was going to say, I don't think I have, I don't have bread listed. Probably so, signed a two-year contract last year. <laughs> got such a good price for um, bunny. Dances at the Moose were popular every Saturday. Lawrenceville Moose. Ash is playing this week, and they're called Ash at this time. They've gone through some different names. Yeah. There's been Ash, Ash Band. Asher. Asher. Um, the band that played at prom on the episode we did last month, what it, which it, whatever they were called Can't then, remember. Shaker Band was that was that what it was? Yeah, um, Shaker Band. Yeah, that's right. and, but yeah, they're just called Ash right now. So they're gonna be playing the moose, and then White Lightning are gonna play the next two Saturdays there at the Moose. Um, in in sports news, Jim Fry was ousted as the, the Cubs manager just a couple years after leading the Cubs. Uh, so close to getting the World Series, but it's been downhill since about June of 85. Let's talk some Bridgeport-style pizza, shall we? And you know where to get that. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House right across from the Dog Pound. Give them a call, 945-3663. They'll deliver it to you, pick it up, or dine in. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 to 9, and of course, First Friday of every month, they're open 11-1 for lunch. Special pizza of the month for June, Hot Honey Nashville Chicken Pizza. You can get that in a 10 or a 14-inch. Now listen to this. Consistent, you know, the crust and the sauce. Crispy chicken topped in spicy Nashville seasoning. Then you throw some mozzarella cheese on there. And what the heck, let's throw on a banana ring just for fun. And it comes out of the oven. They're going to throw some dill pickle slices and a drizzle of hot honey and a drizzle of ranch. Sounds delicious to me. Give it a try. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Nine, four, five, food. We're looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. So yeah, Jim Fry's out. I got some swim team news. I always like this. Um, hey, Lawrence County swim team's playing well, swimming well at this at this time. A big win over Princeton, Indiana. They're big nice. Princeton, Indiana. They're good. A, a three sixty eight to two sixty two win. Whitewash. Uh, not, yeah, not a lot of county or not a lot of county swimmers. Not a lot of Red Hill swimmers there. But Jill Phipps to get three first and two seconds. In the eleven and twelve division, I was gonna say or she, the, had, or the she, eight, had, she had to have been involved in, in the eight and under <laughs> division, and then the eleven and twelve division. John Phipps three okay. first place finishes and oh, two wow. seconds. So. Good job, John. Did they have their own pool at their house, King, when they were kids? Uh, no, we always really? went. We went down to uh, um, Jim Carmel, Dun- Jim Dunn's in uh, St. Francisville. Damn, that's swim. impressive for like, the like swimming <laughs> lessons and stuff. So okay. And yeah, I was just going to say, I, I was going to mention something because I had looked up the June 1st uh, Vincent Sun commercial and um, the uh, baseball North Egyptian conference, all conference team. Um, okay. You didn't cover this later, did you? I'm not. No, stepping I did not on have you. this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Red Hill is represented by junior pitcher 
Shannon Grismer, who was just awesome that year, junior Bobby York at an outfield spot, and sophomore Tony Bingo Holman. First team, all conferences, the designated hitter. Honorable mention was Mike Cress and myself. So, Congratulations. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that was a great year by all three of those guys. And Bingo coming up as a sophomore and hitting like he did was, was key to that baseball team. And as we always say, every time he's mentioned, I'd love to have him on the show at some point. So uh, that would be a good conversation. Uh, Robinson's got their big tennis open going on. Some county representation, some minor county, one person from the county, but uh, it's big name. Greg Laughlin went up to Robinson. Okay. Young Greg Laughlin would have been about 22 at this time. Um, he beat Scott Smashery. Six three five seven seven six. Wow. That's a great so name for a tennis player. That's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, you 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 find out you're playing some guy named Smashery, and you, jeez. And but then he lost and was eliminated by Hennis. I they didn't have his first name, so I figured they like said his first name earlier in the article. Yeah, I couldn't find anywhere they just said he lost to Hennis. So I'm just like a one name. Yeah, like Prince of Madonna back in '86. <laughs> but he lost to Hennis six three Hennis. seven five um mm. let's see so I, I i promised some bridgeport bulldogs news and we got a lot of as we'll go through here i'll just kind of i uh I, I was part of this team uh we had their picture up on the uh facebook group one time and i i think one thing dave said to me on if he said it on the he either he may have just messaged me or he may have said on the picture how did this team ever lose I do know they never lost in the month of June. We may have lost one. We may, I don't know if we lost a game that year, but it was a loaded team. We we won over um, LNB, Lawrenceville National Bank. This is before they were first bank. So this is the red team that Doodle Seitzinger played on. Um, 16 to four, won, won that game. And then a big win over Grace Wholesale, 6-0. A mate, listen to this stat line. Steve, Steve Wagner pitched the entire game. Okay. It was just a six inning game. It was called the two hour time limit was up after um, six innings. We would normally play a seven inning game, or it may have been darkness. Um, so six innings. There's three outs each inning, right? So everybody at home, six times three. Get that number in your head. What six times three is? Okay, I got Steve, it. Steve. What? So there were that many outs. Yeah. Steve Wagner recorded 17 strikeouts that night. <laughs> Jeez. Damn. Oh, my God. There's one so, guy that was really good. So, yes. Um, and this, so the team was loaded. We had Steve Wagner. We had Stacey Moore, Lance Smith, Jim Worth, Brandon Smith, Gene Allen, Sean Webster, Doug Stevenson. Um, it's not fair. David McAdow. And then the younger players that, that weren't as – he key at this on this team, uh Billy Schick, myself, Ronnie Collison. I mean, we were um we were loaded. Like we never lost in June, I know. Um, so I don't the July papers, I haven't seen those. So I don't know if we ever lost a game that year, but uh team was low. And Stacy wasn't mentioned in any of the hitting or any of the lines or anything. So I'm assuming he was at a basketball camp or somewhere. So we didn't have Stacy for some for some of these games during this week. So hmm. um but took care of those two Lawrenceville teams there. So Babe Ruth, a lot of great memories from Babe Ruth. Brian, Brian No would have been an assistant coach on this team. So Brian's part of this team as well. What week was that? Um, June, like the June 16th paper or something. Okay, because I went to Branson, Missouri for nearly a week with the Moors that summer. Okay. 
So that had to be, I'm sure that was that may have been it. Yeah. So uh, you missed the Steve Wagner. You and Stacy Moore are just finding out about this right now. I know <laughs> when I Steve got right after I got back, I had to run the mile for football. So it may have been later. Okay. But yeah, probably so. But yeah, that was funny. Yeah, because it works out perfect. Yeah, Stacy was obviously one of our better players, if not our best player, and Brino, assistant coach to Jerry Leg on that team. So man, it, it was just so great playing with all those those great players and my first time getting to have Brino as a coach. So it was an awesome summer of baseball. Uh, the merchants are playing. Okay. They're playing about 500 ball. They're the other Bridgeport team. There were two Bridgeport teams and four Lawrenceville teams. So they did beat EL Whitmer. So Bridgeport's definitely has the advantage over Lawrenceville and um, in these baseball classes here coming up. Um, both would go on to win regional titles. These kids, I think Lawrenceville won one in 90 and then Red Hill in 91. So a lot of baseball talent in the entire County yeah. during this time. It was a good baseball um, time. Yeah. The arms of Ed Zachary and Sean Potts uh, led merchants to a win. Merchants also beat Grace wholesale. And then the Bulldogs, with the five two win over EL Whitmer, Steve Wagner with another win out dueling Dino Whitaker for EL Whitmer. So that's a little Babe Ruth news. I'll have a little bit more in a moment. So, King, I know you've been waiting for some farming news. Uh, it's it's middle of June. I consider middle of June, you know, this is the crops in the ground, we hope. Yeah, My God. <laughs> not, uh, not always, but <laughs> we hope. Brad and Steve Marinholz are already harvesting their winter wheat. Is this okay. typical? for? Is that, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, you plant that in October the year before, and then harvest oh. it, harvest it in June. So hence, you, hence the winter. We, yeah, we haven't in a long time, but okay. there's uh, there's some around right now. It's probably going to start any time. Well, so. it, yeah, okay. based on that calendar, it is. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah the, and the for you, Steve and Brad, they uh, they're at the bend in the road just south of Lawrenceville Vincennes Airport. If you're trying to picture that field where yeah. the winter wheats come, I mean, Dave is picturing it right now. So oh, yeah, uh, set. Uh, a moment in national news that uh, really affected me. One of the first big celebrity deaths that really mm, got, I mean, really lost sleep be? over this one. And this was the death of Lynn Bias. He was just uh, drafted by the Boston Celtics yeah. out of the University of Maryland. Um, you know, people wonder what could have been the talent that he had and what he could have done with those the Celtics coming off and a title, I believe, that, and then getting the, him in the draft. Like, what could have happened if they add him to that roster? And, and that hurts the Boston Celtics for years. Yeah, as far oh, as yeah. I mean, losing the number one pick, and I, I did that happen. Was it like the day after the draft? Yeah, it was like the night. Yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah. It was the night of the draft. I right, yeah, the night after yeah. the draft was in the afternoon. It was yeah. the night after the the night of yeah. that how, draft. So. How did the Celtics? What number was he I, picked? I, I think it was the fourth. It was like yeah. second, third, or fourth. fourth yeah, it was there. early. It was, it was really. Yeah, I'm trying to think how the Celtics were that high. I be, I say it was a, a trade. trade. I trade. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, they were at their peak, and then adding Lim Bias yeah. to that team that would have been. Yeah, uh, they yeah. were still they were still good for a few years after that. But I, yeah, they never. Yeah, the, once Burr. The yeah. early '90s, then you would have had bias at his peak in yeah. the early '90s. You would have just kept yeah. it rolling through the yeah. '90s. Um, yeah. I remember. So, I remember where I was when I heard that. I was detasseling corn, and Mike Ray told told us, and uh, his of course at that time you hadn't heard about the cocaine and and all that. And mm -hmm. he said sometimes these guys are just in too good a shape. Mm. Yeah, and I, I so. yeah, I remember I, I was at the. Uh, I, I heard it on 
CNN or something that uh, it was like an afternoon that I, where I got the news. So it'd been the next afternoon, probably this June 9th, 19th afternoon, I assume when it was in the daily records. So. Here we go. Bias was an all American from Maryland, had some fierce battles with George. The Boston Celtics lucked into the second pick of the second 86 pick. draft by dealing Gerald Henderson to the Seattle supersonics back in 1984. That's wow. That's all they gave up for that. Yeah, that's, wow. Henderson, I know. I remember. Well, let's played. not sell Gerald Henderson short. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it was it wasn't McHale or Parrish they were trading. Right. <laughs> um, on to some happier news. Red Hill Junior High did uh, save or raise three hundred and fifty dollars for Jump Rope for Heart. That was uh, spearheaded by John Fife, Fife in the PE department there at RHJH. I'm glad. Uh, and Lucy Jamerson's still a big participant in that program, I believe. Right? Yep. Yeah, we got one more year to raise funds for that. So that's it's definitely a big deal at our school, and it's actually grown. And I know we we raise a lot more than three three hundred fifty now, but we have a whole. We, that was just two grades that did three hundred fifty. But and um, speaking of raising funds, uh, the podcast, my myself and my guys have got an idea. <laughs> We're not gonna do that. <laughs> I can't wait till after the show to hear this. <laughs> hey, before we move on, um, I, I talked about Cobra. The next number one uh, movie that month was Top Gun. Now, Top Gun had a long run before that came back to the number one spot for one week and then the next week it was uh, a, a movie that i think we went to see i know gary and i did i'm pretty sure chip may have gone with us as well rodney dangerfield in back to school was the yep. number one movie in the country for one week and then at june 22nd we're about to go on a long yes, long yeah. run for the Karate Kid Part Two. That's going to be actually. Now. That's going to take us all the way through this podcast. So Karate Kid Part Two is going to be number so, one um, all so the way through. Bueller August. was not. Ferris never went to the top of the. Wow, I'm surprised it wasn't number one at all that summer. Uh, got stuck me, behind. I, I think I ended up looking for the whole year. I think Ferris Bueller finished about ninth that year okay. in total gross. Long right. run and, and always the, up in the top five. So. And, and the thing is, I've got memories of the Karate Kid too. Thinking, you know, thinking it was used to be a good movie. I watched it recently. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, is absolutely that, horrible. Is that the one where? No, three is where he goes to China, right? Yeah. Or Japan? No, Japan. Two is where he goes to Japan. Now three is even worse than two. <laughs> two, yeah, they go back to Okinawa and they have the fight yeah. with all the. Remember yeah. those things they rub? Oh, yeah. Well, what was drum? two? That was two. Two's Japan. Two's Japan. Okay. Yeah, Three is Japan. okay. Yeah. Three's back in LA. And it's, it's, all, it's all, it's beyond. I know this is, uh, it was shocking to me. I watch, I, heck, it's probably just been like last summer. I noticed that, that three was on TV. I don't remember. I hadn't, didn't remember that yeah. movie at all. I mean, surely As Dave I, knows I've never seen it. I, Dave and I, yeah, I, talked about I, I know that, I, that movie. I hadn't, uh, I was just going to look here. Ferris Bueller. Bueller. I saw Bueller with Gary and Brian as well as back to school with Gary and Brian. It was a big movie summer for us. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was looking. I'm, I'm looking through this list, and my goodness, I, I'm pretty sure I, I think I saw just about every single one of them in mm -hmm. the theater. Why am I not seeing Ferris Bueller on here? It may not come. It, it It's out at some point in June, I know, because it was. I saw it in the plot in the – not the plaza, the other place. Show place um, – listings so uh -huh. it comes out late june or sometime so it just didn't have the fanfare that we would like it for it to have i guess it yeah. didn't have the gross revenue i guess 
Uh, well, we're looking for that. Bulldogs played the Merchants, the big Bridgeport rivalry, and Bulldogs with a 10-0 win over the Merchants. Brandon Smith, no hitter, and we scored all 10, run, 10 of our runs in the third inning. Stacy's back. Uh, you got a triple and a single. Dogs, Bulldogs moved to 4-0. Merchants, 3-3. Three and three. Um, Shuttle did announce they're going to officially close on July 31st. That's going to be 97 manufacturing and clerical jobs oh, wow. um, that will be lost. Yeah. Um, let's see. Here's a couple more uh, Bulldogs things. I'll get to our, my main story. Oh, we beat LMB 12 to six. We're five. No, Stacy had nine Ks. I haven't talked about the Legion much. The Legion seemed like there was basically two Red Hill kids, uh, Bobby York and Shannon Grismer. And then the, ba- the rest of it was Lawrenceville kids. One thing I found interesting about this Legion team, I kept seeing Derek Blair's name, Darren's younger brother, Derek, listed with the Legion team. And I kept thinking, I know I played Babe Ruth against him that summer. I know I played Babe Ruth. He was on the that doodle team. Well, I he know- was he was Stacy. I think he was Stacy and Lance's class, right? 80, 88. He's yeah. 80, Derek's 88. Okay, 88. So um hmm. but so my assumptions were correct. He did play on first or whatever that national bank, Lawrenceville National Bank, and played Legion ball. So I've never seen that done before. Um, a player playing uh, as a, and he may have been 16 at that time, but it may have the cutoff date or whatever. But yeah, yeah. playing two huh. leagues at the same time. I have. I was because I have two things. One thing when I was older and playing, we had Steve Pace played. Oh, I both. remember when you guys did that. We didn't have we didn't have enough guys to play, so we had to get somebody. Then Brian, why didn't you play American Legion baseball? I don't know. I was just kind of over baseball after uh, after base after playing after that know. twelve fifteen game season. You want to play more? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, I do have some Ferris Bueller information. It was released on June eleventh, nineteen eighty six. Just never reached number one. Um, it was the t- but it was the tenth highest grossing film of the year at seventy million, but just uh, didn't didn't reach number yeah. one. Um, let's see, and then uh, of course the Bulldogs we threw another no hitter. Uh, as David King said, how this team ever lose? I mean another no hitter. I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming Brandon also probably hit about nine fifty. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, this was of the combined variety. Uh, oh, Stacy Moore, Gene Allen, and Doug Stevenson threw a combined no hitter against Gray's Wholesale. Nice. So, um, and then candidates for the 4-H Fair Queen. I know some of you guys might get into that in July, but uh, Red Hill candidates, and I may have if I may have left somebody out. Gary will cover them if I did. Uh, Stacy Shear, Hattie Worth, Tracy Adamson, and Lisa Hardesty look to be your Red Hill representatives for the 4-H Dang. Fair. Oh. Uh, so we'll find out in Gary's report in a little bit. Um, uh, how that went down. Fifteen then, girls were vying. No, fourteen girls were vying for this title too. Okay, and I got one more swim team report before my big story. Uh, we a four hundred to two hundred twenty eight win over Fairfield. Uh, so we remain undefeated in the pool. Jeez. Um, Lori that seems Coslo, like, that seems like more points that were combined. Than in the Princeton match for some reason. I guess we had more. True. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Maybe. Uh, Crosso had, had a first and a third. I don't have which races those were. Ethan Donaldson's out there in the pool. Two oh, first okay. and a third. Yeah, Ethan was in the uh, two hundred butterfly, I believe, in the in the four hundred breaststroke. <laughs> okay. Uh, and listen to this one. Okay. He learned his craft at Mister D- Coach Dunn's pool. It's not David King. It's not Matt Schrader. John Phipps 
raced in six races that night Jeez. and won all six of them. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Six no. for, that's like Mark Spitz. Spitz should have gone to the Olympics. <laughs> so, and one thing I saw when I was looking through some Lawrenceville news, as you know, you see the Lawrence, Lawrenceville news as you're going through it, uh, Coach Dunn had resigned as a wrestling coach and they're, they're thinking about possibly do we need to drop the wrestling program because we don't have a coach. D Diggs is saying, well, they are they'll let you have non non teachers now, but there's a, all this process you yeah. have to go through. So if we don't have a teacher that wants to step up, we may have to drop the wrestling program. But we know Coach Dunn stepped up he and he was back. there for several more years yeah. um, after that. Kind of like we, Huff tried to get out of it a couple times at Red Hill football. We've seen so. Uh, <laughs> thank you to those two for coming back. He wanted out bad. <laughs> yeah. um, the big article. All right. This enough, is the end of the month. Enough messing Fitz, around Fitz here. Six wins wasn't the big story. <laughs> That's got to be between him and, and uh, Karate Kid 2. I mean, that dominates the summer. Red Hill still doesn't have a boys basketball coach. Uh, mm. Brian's going into his senior year. I don't think uh, Brian's quite made a decision. Maybe he's made his decision. on. But I think right yet. now, Brian's probably thinking he's going to play. Right you? now, I'm probably still going to play basketball. Yeah. Um. So we had a special board meeting at the end of June because it's time to start getting a coach hired. Mm -hmm. um, summer basketball wasn't as big back then as it is now where you play a full slate. A few open gyms or something, maybe, yeah. but that would really be it. I love this article they really went into who was – they have two candidates. They were going to bring in four candidates to interview that night. Interesting. And – uh, only two of them came. Two of them, so two have declined. I guess. I was going to say interview. they were expecting four, and only two. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're going to interview with the board that night. Sisney's uh, head coach Ed Chapel, okay, um, is here to interview, and Jerry Folk from Paris is here really? to interview with the board. Um, we know Chapel ended up getting. The job. Uh, Coach Andrews did say they had, or not Coach Andrews, Mr. Andrews, uh, Board President Andrews did say <laughs> that they had, uh, Doug Andrews had 31 applicants <laughs> apply for the coaching job. How many? Uh, 31. Really? Wow. Really? Wow. I'm sure some big, the NEC is a conference that big time coaches want to well, get into. And you've seen, I mean, I'm sure that those guys had a tremendous success in junior high. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if you're in the know, you know that. You know about Stacy and, and, and their they freshmen. They were freshman conference. Mark Ambrose right. played fresh. Yeah, so you know there's a lot coming. And if you really follow it closely, you know there's a lot coming behind it too. If you yeah. really get into the elementary levels, there's a it's a good job. Um Jerry Folk was a highly successful co yeah. coach at Paris. I think what the discussion I want to bring up here is in the end, it worked out for Red Hill. We ended up chapel for two years, then we had Fred Kendall. We know all the success he had. It would have been interesting. It changes everything mm -hmm. if Jerry Folk would have gotten that job. Um, he had just come off winning a double A regional at Paris. So um, wow, yeah, that could have there. could have really changed the whole dynamic. His son um, was a freshman, same age as Stacy Lance, Clifford, Mark. Those guys. Oh wow! His son ended up his senior year averaging twenty six points a game at Paris. Damn. Same age as these guys. Holy I was talking to Rodney Roderick about this last night, and I even re re realizing it was going to be in my um, research is he had something about coach about Brent Folk. Brent was the son. He mentions in a post he was talking about his all time his all time Paris like Mount Rushmore, and he had Brent Folk on there. Um, 
Yeah, as Rodney Roderick said, it wouldn't have been fair to the rest of the NEC if um, wow, if Folk would have played on that Red Hill team. I'm so. looking up Folk's record at Paris, 226-144. He had one year, which was 1986-87, that he only won nine games. So he won um, out of Paris that year. Won and- 10 and 82 and 83. But listen to this. The other years, other than those three, 19, 19, 17, 18, 17, 17, 17, 20, 17, 16, and 20. That's his win totals per year. And that's when Paris was at, in the Apollo. They weren't in the LIC then. That right. was when they were playing Mount Zion and Charleston and Taylorville and those schools. I mean, yeah, they they're... weren't playing um, they, they weren't playing Oblong and Martins. Yeah, and one, um, two, three, four, five, six of those years was in double A. I guess Martinsville is good. Yeah. That was a bad. <laughs> At that time, Martinsville would have yeah. been tough. But there's been yeah. years where Martinsville yeah. was. But they yeah. had a great – all my Martinsville friends, I know you had a great run in the 80s and early 90s. So, um, But, yeah, he did – he sadly passed away at the age of 50 in 1996. Um, oh. I was sub – so his last year was – he still had several years left. Yeah. He, uh, had a heart attack. I was actually subbing at Paris the, uh, huh. the uh, day after he passed. I saw it in the Channel 10 News that Sunday night and then – um subbed at paris that next day and it was the things that definitely a rough day in paris the things that come out on this podcast that i never yeah yeah, that's interesting yeah until and i had seen this i had i think i was doing some ed chapel research one time and i had seen this a few months ago that jerry i was really shocked that jerry folk well i'm shocked he didn't get the job I guess is another thing. Um, Think money may have, and he may have ended up declining it too. We don't know how it went down. So, um, but yeah, so Ed Chapel was named head coach, and everything worked out for Red Hill Uh, because Fred Kendall probably Folk is probably there for the rest of his career um, because he's obviously going to have a lot of success. He might win a state title in '89. I mean, with his son and the in the team they had. So, um, yeah, everything would have changed. So. Um, but yeah, this is just an interesting little Red Hill basketball note to end on for people that didn't realize that coaching search for back sure. in 1986. I, I did not I did not realize that. Yeah, that, cool. that's yeah, that's something else. Gallon of gas was 89 cents when Jerry drove down for the meeting, if he drove down more than once. Uh Ford Mustang, if you're gonna buy one of those, you're gonna shell out seven thousand four hundred and fifty two dollars which i thought was a pretty good deal on an yeah because an average (laughs) average price for a new car was ninety two fifty five i feel like a ford mustang would have been right there with that average i I feel like the i feel like the price of new cars is outpaced inflation (laughs) uh five pound bag of potatoes was a buck and david if you were going to go and and get a uh, a pound of broccoli it's going to cost you 39 cents okay Mm -hmm. All right, to Gary Emmons for the the dog days of July. Well, I guess it's the segue. I was going to first report was going to be the okay. the school board meeting of who we were going to hire as a head coach. <laughs> 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 Drum roll, oh, please. Gonna... Well, maybe but they. It, hi- I don't know. Maybe they hired Folky back out. So let's see. <laughs> well, this. I mean, it's a, this does give a little more nuggets here, but it says. Uh, an up-tempo offense and a man-to-man defense are the trademarks of Edward Chapel. Okay, he did. Who was get hired that. last week as the new head basketball coach at Red Hill? Uh, Chapel, guy, he's uh, 38 years old when he was hired. Had been at Sisney for 15 years, and the varsity coach for the past four years there. He's no stranger to the North Egyptian Conference, as he went to Salem and uh, played on their uh, conference champion football team there. So he was a football player. He said, "I plan to push Red Hill basketball immediately." Now, what did he do immediately to push Red Hill basketball? 
Bumper stickers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that. I just remember from yeah, those days. Uh, he totally awesome. He totally. So that's how he was going to push the push the word about Red Hill uh, basketball. He's um, going to meet the players for the f- first uh, f- first time coming tonight when this was written. He's currently looking for a place to live in Bridgeport. We know he didn't have a place with the washer and dryer for a bit. I, <laughs> I was getting ready to good joke. I, was hey, I, I think say. the whole two-year stint, I don't think he ever had the washer. Yeah, I was going to say, it was, deep, it was deep into his run, and I was still seeing him at the laundromat. I think it was a Sunday evening staple there at the laundromat there on uh, 250 in Bridgeport. It was almost an every night staple. because Was it? When I My freshman year, we would turn our practice jerseys in at the end of each practice, shorts and top. Every we night, would, we oh, would wow. every night we would turn those in, and they would come back freshly folded and washed the next day. Wow! Do we <laughs> do we know if he ever found a house? He was just living in the coach's office. Hell, he might have been living in the damn uh, laundromat. Laundromat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he lived in one of the apartments in Bridgeport, whether that's okay. on um, Main Street or down there, you know, on the black top or the you know going. Where you live for a little bit, Gary. Oh, that, yeah. Down by the oh, yeah. Lyles has lived. I he really lived in some know. apartment in Bridgeport, I'm pretty, pretty sure. He said, I like the Bob Knight style of basketball, Chapel said. You like that? We're gonna run a, we're gonna run a motion style offense and and adjust it to the speed <laughs> we have. I definitely like an up, motion. I definitely like the up tempo game. We averaged 75 points a game last year and cracked the century mark a couple of times. It's gonna be an exciting brand of basketball. I've uh, said he always wanted to coach in the NEC, and now he's got his chance. Let's see. The team and I will have both have an incentive to do well. Chapel will also be an assistant football coach and varsity track coach. So we got us a new coach for uh, forever, we hope, right? You never know, I suppose. But Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll find out. A couple of things I wanted to bring up before I get into some more of the local stuff was a big thing in the country. The Statue of Liberty finally reopened after – you remember as kids, I remember that was kind of like a big thing where the giant scaffolding yeah. was around oh, the entire yeah. thing. So, oh, yeah. so the Statue of Liberty was finally finally reopened. And I wanted to go back to this because I, I think the July 15th of 86 was the Major League Baseball All-Star game. And this is a game that it's probably, again, the, maybe the first one I remember really watching. And I think I watched it at Chip's house, or at least a portion of it. Maybe that's my remembrance of it. I don't know if it wasn't. But listen to this. Listen to these lineups for the 1986 all-Star game. It was held at the Houston Astrodome. I'll start with the AL and just go pitcher on down through the lineup. Okay. The American League had Roger Clemens as starting pitcher. Lance Paris is your catcher. Rookie Wally Joyner shocks some people, but he was the first base choice. Then you went Lou Whitaker, Kyle Ripken Jr., Wade Boggs, Kirby Puckett, Dave Winfield, and Ricky Henderson. My goodness. Yeah, almost Wade everybody's Boggs. a Hall of Famer may, there. May rest in peace. And yes, and you're talking about first baseman. I mean, Mattingly, Eddie Murray. Yeah, I'm trying was to go probably back on the beach. Joiner wasn't a Hall of Famer, but there were definitely Hall of Famers no behind kidding. him. No kidding! Wow. League. I know I had a Wally Joiner T-shirt probably right around this time. You're a big Wally Joiner fan. The NL started Dwight Gooden. Then we went Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez, we- Ryan Sandberg, Ozzie Smith. Mike Schmidt, Tony Gwynn, Dale Murphy, and Daryl Strawberry. Good gravy. <laughs> I would just look at this line. I think they, the AL won for like, they won a bunch they of they won, Yeah, they won all the time. Yeah. That's basically, a, everybody there is a Hall of Famer or had Hall of Fame potential or Dale Murphy's a people still think he, Murphy yeah. should be in, but like Strawberry and Gooden were definitely on track to be on the oh, Hall yeah. of Fame. Jody Davis yeah. from the Cubs was on that team too, I remember. And you had Roger Clemens was the, and uh, he was the MVP of the game. He, uh, Pitched three perfect innings. 
Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. game. Fernando Valenzuela struck out five guys in a row. That was a big deal back then. That's remember like Gary. Yeah, you guys recorded that. I remember watching that on VH, like watching it okay. over. Like I remember watching that over and over, not over and over again. Like we watched some things, but we definitely watched it a couple times after the fact too. I found this was interesting. Of course, the World Series champs or the World Series uh, teams. That's who coached it the next year. So you had Wadi Herzog against. Uh, Dick Hauser, and this said this was Dick Hauser's last game he ever managed was with this game right here. Said even during the game, the uh, commentators were making mention that something seemed off with him. He was diagnosed like a brain tumor, like the, the next week, and oh, died wow. shortly really? after that. Wow, I, I thought that know. was kind of a uh, interesting. Yeah, news I knew about the brain game. tumor and everything, but I didn't realize the All Star game was his did last he, game. Did he manage the Royals that year? Well, that's why I don't know if, if he or, or I, did, did he just come back for that game. It just sounded like maybe he was the coach for halfway through the year and coached the All Star game, and then he got really ill oh, afterwards. The All Star right right break wow. went to the doctor during the All Star break. I just looked it up. Some... Hauser attempted a comeback during the spring of '87 with the Royals, but he quickly found he was physically too weak and abandoned the attempt. Um, three months later, he died. Yeah, wow. Huh. Damn. Yeah. So sad news there. Well. I, I don't. I know there probably wasn't much talked about it. Of course, you know, I was thinking of uh, the summer and the June will be the Lions Jamboree at the at the oh, park in, so in uh, Bridgeport. But uh, I was thinking that in Little League Baseball. But anyway, I want to talk about the Bridgeport Little League All-Star team that year. That was a they had a big summer that year. And of course, the way it works, if you don't know that the whoever wins the, the league and the second place, that's who your coaches are going to be. So the manager for our team this year was Doug Hardacre. And of course, Second play that he coached the bank. They won the division that year, won the league that year. Then your second uh, place would have been the Legion and Galen Holtz. I got the roster here, and I think I have to be missing one person, and I can't for the life of me think who it is. Because I think it wouldn't have been. There's 13 guys here in the pic, in, in the picture. I know Scott Murray was on the team and wasn't here, and I can't imagine it was probably not a 15-man or 15 player roster. I can't imagine it would have been a 14 player roster, but I can't. So maybe I'll say the names here, but representing the bank, who were the champs, you're going to have your coach, uh, Doug Hardacre. You have Matt McCullough, Scott Murray, D Holloway, and Brian Havel, your all-stars from the bank. Representing the Legion, you have Eric Holtz, Rob Waller, Tommy Holfacker, and Donnie Schick. I'm surprised they didn't win the league. And I know when you think, I mean, loaded, of course. Representing the Lions would have been myself and Chris Ralston. And the Union is represented by Rodney Roderick, John Putney, and Matt Schrader were your representatives from the Union. Of course, uh, like I said, I know there's – I think there had to have been another person, and I cannot for the life of me think of who it was. But in those times, what I think they probably did by trying to figure out – because I said, unfortunately, during this period of time, we did not have a daily record to do any research here. So thank goodness on newspapers.com, the Mount Carmel newspaper filled in a lot of these blanks for me for this uh, for this season. That was very helpful. But I think the way it worked back then, and I will say if, uh, if Brian's going to snap a picture, but I do have my replica 1986 Bridgeport Little League All-Star hat on here today. And uh, But I think back then what they did is like your county was represented. Like you had like a county tournament that then, then you moved on to like a district tournament. Because I know we played Lawrenceville first. Great. And I think maybe that was a single elimination. Then we moved on to the to the tournament. I know in that game I was fortunate enough to hit a homer off Ronnie Peters, and I think we won three to two. That was late in the in the game, which was a an exciting game, which moved us on to the district tournament in Robinson. And I know part of that seems because I know Mount Carmel in their article said they finished five and two that year in the All Stars. 
they got seven games. So you're thinking back then you would have what Mount Carmel and Allendale. I don't know who else. What other those smaller towns maybe had an all-star team back then? But because I know we wouldn't have played that many games in the district tournament. But I know we played Mount Carmel, I think, either three or four times in this yeah. tournament because it was double elimination. Yeah. So uh, I know down at Mount Carmel. Did well, this one would have been in Robinson. Oh, okay, first. yeah, okay. So I'm already, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking ahead to the next tournament. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember, I remember going to this tournament in Vincennes. And yeah. did you guys play down in Mount Carmel as well later on? Yeah, that we'll, we're we're going to get. Let's just going to run okay. through it here. So right. I know we started the tournament up beating Lawrenceville. I think three to two advanced to Robinson for the district tournament, and our first game, which was on July fifteenth, eighty six, looks like we have um, a, a victory over Mount Carmel, but we were no hit. And one, two to nothing. So yeah. that doesn't probably doesn't really? happen. I can't imagine. I can't imagine very often. Looks like uh, with one out, Bridgeport lowered the bases all on walks. Then Scott Murray hit a deep uh, fly to center field that Rodney Brueger, that's a famous Mount Carmel oh, name, yeah. that Rodney Brueger caught and when the through tried to throw home to cut down Chris Ralston, who had tagged up from third. The ball skipped away, which then allowed Eric Holtz to score from second base. And that was it for the runs. Two nothing, we won. Tommy Holfacker went the distance on the mound for Bridgeport. Uh, no runs, only gave up two hits, struck out nine, and only walked two. Oh. So uh, that was uh, the game, uh, at least one of our first games there. Uh, and I know we're going to end up coming back and playing. Um, uh, we played either Olney or Robinson. I don't know. We obviously would have won that one. And then we were going to play another game against your Mount Carmel All-Stars, and they got us in this one. Um, we lost that one 4-2. to two. Uh, obviously, D. Holloway probably pitched the second game in the victory, and because then Tommy came back in Game Three. This was uh, July 18th, and uh, Tommy lost, but he struck out 11, but he walked seven, and uh, mm-hmm. that's going to hurt you in Little League Baseball yep. if you walk that walk that many guys. So that put us down four to two. So we come back, we play Mount Carmel again. They 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 played back to the championship game, and. Uh, this is where the song, I don't know if Brian is going to get it queued up here or not, but this is the song where my always reminds me of this tournament was uh, Mike and the Mechanics, All You Need is a Miracle. Because uh, we got one in this game. So Mount Carmel League All-Stars were three outs away from the district title Friday evening. Uh, but the sixth inning rally by the Bridgeport All-Stars took the game a two-to-one decision. So sounds like every one of these games had a pretty much, it was uh, pitching that was taking us through there. So it looked like Mount Carmel All-Stars were going to score again in the top of the sixth when Tamara Sunstrom and Joe Kolb started the inning off with walks. But Bridgeport Hurley D. Holloway settled down and struck out the next three batters to end the inning. Um, the bottom of the sixth inning did end Mount Carmel All-Stars as Bridgeport scored two runs with the heart of their batting order up. Rob Waller led the inning off with a single in the right field. And Scott Murray lashed a single to the right center field that Mount Carmel did not field cleanly. And the runners ended up at second and third. Then up came the cleanup hitter, Tommy Holfacker, who had struck out and grounded out his other times at bat, but then ripped a ball to the right center field gap and the game-winning blow scoring both runners. Red Hill wins the district uh, on a great comeback win. Holloway picks up the win. It's all six innings, only allowing one run, gave up uh, three hits, and what that did was we won uh, won the district, and then we advanced to go down to Mount Carmel to play in the sectional tournament, which was going to begin just a few few days later in, in Mount Carmel. That Looks was like a, then we moved some, and some for, great for, teams. I know that. And for the life of me, I know even Rodney Roderick, he's getting some talk here, but we talked about this on the Facebook page at one point. 
And unless this article is wrong, I was convinced that we only played one game and we lost to Beardstown and we were out of the tournament. That is completely that's wrong. Beardstown, that's the game. That's the game I remember. That was in Mount Carmel. Right, but we didn't. Yeah, this this shows we never yeah. we never played Beardstown though, which I could have swore that we. Oh, did. I swore. Oh yeah, that's the game. Oh, it was like yeah. a Saturday night. So now this maybe, shows it, now maybe it wasn't in '86. Catcher well, Jay definitely Harrison. was. Okay. So this says this is showing the Sunday's games were. Well, that may have been no Saturday's action. Springfield Cy Young won Bridgeport nothing. So that shows that who we played first was a one nothing game, mm. and the next day we came back and this says we played Paris and lost seventeen to thirteen. So Beardstown was in the tournament along with um, I don't I can't see sure we played Paris or Beardstown I've, I've, Saturday. I've night. always I've always said that too. So I don't necessarily know where we got that, but anyway, maybe that uh, Springfield and Paris are playing. So anyway, a seventeen thirteen slugfest. Tommy Holfacker grand slam in that game. Holfacker had three hits. Gary Emmons had two. Holloway, Murray, and Emmons are all on the hill for Bridgeport manager Galen Holt. Sounds like we got beat around pretty good in that one. So we lost to Springfield. Cy Young won nothing. Then came back and got hammered by Paris, which, you know, we came back in the last inning there, but lost 17 to 13. So either the article's wrong mm. or we've always they, just thought they, they probably don't have any, They probably don't have any names from that Springfield team on there, do Let's they? see here. I don't think so. A lot Let's of see. close games. The damage came at third Springfield's David Powell singled, Scott Hammond walked, and Mike. It says Pethy. I'm sure it means probably Petty. So if that name sounds yeah, sounds don't know any correct. don't know any of those guys. Let's see if it's on any of the, the Paris guys here. I don't see any Paris guys' names. Um, so anyway, so that ended a, a great season for the Little League All-Stars. Uh I still remember some of the things I remember from that season was that. Um, no, no offense to our coach was Gary Wells and Gary is a great guy and was a good baseball coach, but, uh, Doug Hardacre, when you knew, you, you knew you're getting coached, you were going to get coached well by Hardacre. And I know practices were hard and I know he was through batting practice to us. And at that point I never faced him by throwing that hard in my entire life. I mean, he was, you know, he was preparing us for hard pitching and you know in these tournaments you, yeah. each team's got probably two really good pitchers and you're going to see a really good pitcher um which was of course someone's number one pitcher on their team throughout the season but um you know you had a situation where he really got you prepared for that and you had Doug and Galen that were really good baseball guys so that was yeah. a good and the other thing I always think of was sitting we were at the Bridgeport Little League field sitting in the bleachers and I think we had just gotten T-shirts that had our names and numbers on the back of them. And it was like, it looked like a jersey, like one of those little jersey shirts, even now you'd even get for a major league baseball team. And I remember, I always get this confused too, but I know Putney was spelled wrong on the back of John Putney's number six jersey. So I don't know if I had it, does it have an N? I was going to yeah. say, Lee, I'm going to guess he left out the N. That yeah, that's that, that's exactly right. So uh, it was just Putney. Putney so I remember that. That's all people say it. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know if there was music playing there or something, but I know Dreams by Van Halen. That's a thing that associates with that all the time, this Van Halen song and the, sitting there in those bleachers. I associate that term with rumors by Timex Social Club, but that was I heard it in your guys' car on the way home on that Saturday night. But that's, I, I hear that song, I think of that tournament, and the Beardstown game, because I'm positive. We played Beardstown, Mount Carmel, Daily Republican Register. Mm-hmm. I thought I could have swore that too. So maybe they got the Springfield, maybe that was yeah. the Beardstown game or whatnot. That but guy just wanted our- to go home. He's trying to get this article finished. Yeah, he doesn't and, care about or Mount Carmel wouldn't even in it. He didn't really care that much. And you talk about these coaches. Um, back to the fictional 
editorial by Joe Jones talked about this fictional boy, this 10-year-old boy, the coaches more were more worried about winning than teaching fundamentals. I will tell you, all these coaches we've named for Bridgeport Little League, they were very interested in teaching the fundamentals and did an excellent job teaching them, and they were very interested in winning. And that's oh, a yeah. perfect combination. I mean, it was competitive, and you learned a lot about baseball under those yeah. guys, too. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I mean, even I remember practices were competitive, you know, too, and there's always activities and games going on during that, and, you know, they – Great guys back then. Like I said, if we ever do a Little League episode and, uh, or a Doug Hardacre, I mean, I would love to have them on there because there was so many, so many good things to to talk about during that season. But and the we'll get to that next term. We'll move to that next term when David's going here a little bit. Clark's County Junior Fair Queenship talked about that a little bit. Like I said, there we'll run through uh, when I say fourteen candidates. Tracy Adamson, Jerry Bond. I don't know if you mentioned Jerry I earlier. I mentioned you? Jerry. No, thank you. Uh, Candace Camden, Amanda Dorney, Lisa Hardesty, Julie Hobbs, Michelle Macy, Kimberly Perkins, Mary Jane Rupel, Stacy Shear, Jackie Schick, Carla Wagner. Ryan, you know you knew Carla, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, we dated uh, a couple see. times. She was cute. <laughs> Amy Williams, Patty Worth, and then you had last year's queen, Anita Hull, was the queen from last year. Well, any, any predictions here for yeah, the, for the who, Queen? Uh, I don't I think what, Red Hill wins is my prediction. It was a Lawrenceville. The The name that you read is what jumped out at me. It was about the fourth or fifth one. Was it Hob, uh, Julie Hobbs? That was a Bridgeport girl. Uh, that's Dave Hobbs' sister, right? Oh, okay, I'm thinking of a different No, person. no, that Lou Ann's that's not? sister. Julie's oh, that's right. girl. Okay, yeah, that's who, that's who I'm picking. Um, I, it, it wasn't one of the Red Hill girls. I'm positive of that. Um, Do you want me to I, tell you tell you yes or no on that, or you want me? No, no. Let me think through it. <laughs> or wait, you, I think it was Whitney Kirchy, wasn't it? Well, Whitney Kirchy wasn't a candidate yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, I thought you said her name. Never mind. Um, you were just hoping. <laughs> Big fan. Amanda Dorney went to our church. Kimberly okay. Perkins went to our church. Um, so I was definitely, if I had to have a Lawrence, I'd be rooting for those two. I think Perkins actually. Oh gosh, I don't know. King, you got a prediction? <laughs> Brian might be right. I'm a. I'm gonna go with the former, and she comes back. To her, she's married to Jason Dorney. She's married to Amanda's brother now. Um, comes back to the church now. Was it Rupal? Your winner <laughs> of the 1986 Lawrence County Fair Queen was Mary Jane Rupal, oh, the 18-year-old daughter of Edward and Barbara Rupal of Lawrenceville, Good Illinois. Mary Jane was the valedictorian of her 86 class at Lawrenceville High School. First runner-up was Stacy Shear, 18-year-old um, nice Bridgeport, Illinois. And Two second runner-up was Tracy Adamson, a 16-year-old okay, of so Sumner. Class 87. And your Miss Congeniality was Lisa Hardesty, 19 years old of Lawrenceville, Illinois. But a Red Hill, they lived out there on the right by the yeah, country, by the, right? right? Right by the Williamses. Um, yeah. Former babysitter Lisa Hardesty, good babysitter. So we had a nice, uh, nice fair going on here. Lots, and I've noticed this, and maybe um, you look at the article, and the font was so small because there were so many winners of so many different categories in these in this 4-H fair. <laughs> so I'm not even going to attempt to go through them all, but I do notice a great picture of Lisa Hoswinkle. Looks like she's got a big old black and white cow and a headlock in this one picture. That's nice. Just showing, Let's talk showing it's who's boss. We're going to start with area artists at the 4-H Fair and some of our artists that did well. 
Jeremy Jackman got first place in pencil, charcoal, pen, landscape, and ink drawing. That's what I competed in. I must not have won. Jeremy, also a great pegboard. That's right. (laughs) Pegboard legend. Been talked about on the podcast before. You have uh, Denise Bowser was second place, finishing behind Jackman. Angie Lytle picked up a second place in portrait and figure drawing. 91. Donnie Decker got second in that category, finishing behind Angie. Good job. Played in the Merchants that summer. Denise Bowser dominated watercolor and tempura, winning all categories. Sounds like the John Phipps of the swimming world. No kidding. In the leather craft. Lee Bennett earned a first in billfolds. And Mike McKinney got first place in belts. Okay. Okay. So this is right after graduating from Red Hill Junior where High. Where do you do yeah. that? Like, where do you go make a billfold? You start with the you start with the yeah. Cow. There's no YouTube. You gotta, you gotta get an apprentice, apprentice somewhere. <laughs> Jackie Sager picked up a first place in the bird feeder category. There was about nine thousand categories. <laughs> unbelievable. Bowser got second. Our own Bingo Holman got second place in the. Anything else category, whatever that meant. So good job, Bingo, for being a 4-H fair participants. Anything else? What just, I think with the... art, just, it doesn't say what it was. Oh, we're still kind of in art. Okay. Yeah. This is still 4-H fair where there was still the art so category. He was very good at art. So it was that. probably good, and they didn't really know what to do with it. And, yeah. and that's coming off the heels of that NEC conference selection. So big, big couple of months for Bingo. Was anybody yeah. want to talk about the Orange County Fair livestock auction? I, I got to think. Mc, I, I got to think McKim's was heavily involved. The 17th annual 4-H livestock auction was part of the Lawrence County Junior Fair. 4-Hers sold their livestock to the highest bidder after exhibiting the animals during the fair. No shock here. <laughs> so Neil Heath's Grand Champion steer brought 90 cents a pound for McKim's IGA. What's a what's a steer weigh? thousand pounds thousand right thousand two thousand yeah. yeah. he made almost a thousand dollars and what's that now dave jeez dave 23 yeah. run those mm. numbers through that brain. Uh, me a lot <laughs> <laughs> except you gotta you gotta feed 4, the thing. you gotta you gotta feed the thing its whole life though so i don't mm. know how much profit you make <laughs> gail paddock's reserve grand champion steer brought in somehow I, how much did I say Neil's cow was 90 worth? cents? 90, 90 cents. Well, I got my old man glasses on. 98 cents is what it was. Gales went uh, for 92 and a half cents per pound uh, from the First uh, National Bank of Auburn. I don't know. So, I remember when I used to see those in the paper, I'd always read them because I'd look for Neil and Gale and, and all my classmates. And I know like where the hamburger from McKim's comes from. Like I fully understand where. I just always thought that was kind of gross. <laughs> When I saw that they buy a cow. Who wants to talk about swine? I know that makes no sense. Yeah, let's talk. They probably want to talk about some swine. They burned up on this one. (laughs) Let's go for Jason Inyert. All right. Made $1.35 per pound. I feel like hamburger should be worth more. It is. I mean, if you go to the store now, pork's way cheaper than beef. I don't know about this. Let's see. He sold that to the Vincent Sun commercial. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Vincent. Yeah. Commercial for- what in the world did they do with that pig? <laughs> and our very own David King sold his swine to the First National Bank of Bridgeport for a dollar per pound. An even dollar made it easy. Out of a 
about how much was your pig? About, about, th- about 300 bones. Probably. I didn't know you did pigs, Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh yeah. Well, do you remember this young eleven year old? Do you remember this one's name? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I'm trying to probably Wally Joiner. Yeah, I did it okay. from I did Bingo. from 1982 to <laughs> 1990, I think. So eight eight years. Rhonda McKinney's hog brought seventy five cents from Doctor Very from uh, Doctor Gary Van Winkle. That one must not have looked very good. <laughs> and Emily King. Sold her swine to Clarence Aiken for ninety cents per pound. Oh, so Dave's was ten cents better a pound than his sister. Let's keep talking about hogs here. AJ Mushrush sold his for ninety-five cents per pound. Dion Thacker sold. Dion's a female, right? That says Dion. This says Dion sold his swine for a dollar per pound. Dave, how much are these swines weighing roughly? Uh, two sixty, two seventy. So yeah, ish. Gary, Gary got like some other people I know. They right to the ground. <laughs> Let's see here. Who else we got? Lisa Hoswinkle made a hundred dollars for her peach ice cream. She sold it to the First National Bank of Albany. Question. So, so Dave made roughly two hundred and fifty bucks on a hog he's been feeding forever, and Hoswinkle made a hundred bucks on a bowl of ice cream. Well, probably a whole tub, if I was to guess. <laughs> I know which route I'm going next in '87. Yeah. I'm going the ice cream there, route. And I know Brian's going to put the commercials in later, but there's got to be a People's State Bank commercial here—the one where we talk about going to four H, the one where Kirsten's talking about four H fairs and stuff. You got to play that commercial. Now. Farming is an important American tradition. That's why People's State Bank has been working with farmers and their families since 1875. We've had the privilege of serving a wide variety of livestock and agricultural needs. As a community bank, we take pride in the personal relationships we've built over generations. From bidding on animals shown by young farmers in the 4-H ring at the county fair to welcoming those same farmers into our offices with their first business for the family farm, Our customers are more than an account number in a computer. From a sporting standpoint, People State Bank has been a longtime partner with the school districts, sponsoring academic projects, athletic teams, travel, uniforms, and much, much more. We have also been proud to support Pack the Place for the last 10 years, paying everyone's admission for one of the county rival basketball games each year. Find convenient locations in Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank thanks you for allowing us to be a part of your lives and appreciates the opportunity to serve and give back to our communities in this way. When it's time for a home-cooked meal, go to Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. Do what thousands and thousands of people from all over southern Illinois and southern Indiana have done for years. Stop by. Guarantee you're going to talk to somebody you know. Have a cold drink while you enjoy hand-cut steaks, breaded tenderloins, Great cheeseburgers and, of course, those famous catfish dinners that attracts people from everywhere. You can dine in, which is the best thing to do because you're going to see somebody you know. Or call 945-9501 and carry it out. Whatever you do, let the Gray family cook for your family today. <laughs> no, Albert Bryan sold his butter for thirty dollars. Okay. Richard Palmer, uh, let's see, he sold it to Richard Palmer. Michael Bryan sold his butter for thirty-five dollars. 
He bettered his brother on the butter sales. Man, I still think ice cream and butter is the way to go rather than raising these animals. Happy 50th birthday to Albert Bryan last week. Let's talk about rabbits, guys. Heather Hipsher's rabbit brought in 15 bucks from John Borden. Amy Legg's rabbit went for 20 to Rich Law. Okay. Amy. Question. Okay, what are they doing with these? I know what they're doing with the, the pigs and the cows. What are people doing with these rabbits? I don't know, but can you just? I hope they're just pets. Yeah, I will we'll say pet. I so would assume. Remember these numbers. Heather Hipshire sold for 15. Okay. Amy Legg sold for 20. Okay. Amy Thacker made $120 for her <laughs> rabbit, bought by the Monteagle Mills of Oblong. That's got to wow. be a typo, right? Well, Trenton Masterson sold his rabbit for thirty-five dollars to the for thirty-five dollars to the Red Hill Arts and Crafts. Maybe they threw Trenton in some of that. those rabbits. I remember that. Now that hold on. Now. Maybe they threw now, in some Amber of that Hosswinkle ice cream with it. And Amber Thacker sold her rabbit for eighty-five. What's going on with these Thacker girls selling these rabbits guess, for so long? I'm, I'm Family connection. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm guessing Dad was taking a lot of grain in the money. Yep, that's good. Call, good call, Dave. That's exactly what it is. And then somebody from the from the bank started running them up in the auction, yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what happened. Let's move on to tennis. I know Chip had a little tennis. You know, July is always the they sold tennis players. No, the oh. Vincennes Open uh, tournament. <laughs> <laughs> the mixed doubles title went to Doug Hardacre. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a, I completely is not true. Doug Hardacre and Ellen Kirby went to the finals and lost to guess who? Thorn in the side, Ron Albers. Ron Albers. Yep, and, and Libby Spalding. In the mixed class C, Chris Goff and Beth Ferguson defeated uh, Darcy Ellis or David Ellis and Linda. Uh, Masterson, 6263, but did lose to David and Creole Dykus in the championships. A good job to, to Chris Goff there. I think this guy we mentioned early, earlier in the men's B tournament, Greg Laughlin of Bridgeport, Illinois, was the champion, downing Charlie Williams of Princeton, 7-5-6-2. So Greg is getting his tennis career going very well. Let's see here. This is August. I think this is my last couple of things here. Do you want me to just go ahead and get going with August and then David can finish us off? Or yeah, how do you want to go about well, it? Well, real quick, I'll just say the number one songs from July. July 12th, Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. Next week, 19th, Invisible Touch by Genesis. Sledgehammer, one of the all-time greats, on July 26th by Peter Gabriel. Then we'll just go ahead and run through August. August 2nd to August 16th, number one, Glory of Love, Glory of Love by Peter Sterrett. August 16th, Papa Don't Preach by Madonna, spent two weeks, and then to finish out the summer, Higher Love by Steve Winwood took over in the number one spot. So, yeah, go ahead and just, yeah, go ahead and wrap it up, Mook. Our very own Stacy Moore is mentioned here again. Stacy participated in the um, Vincent's Junior Open Golf Tournament. And in the 14 to 15 year old age group, Stacy finished second place behind uh, Mark McCrary of Terre Haute. Stacy shot an 88 in the tournament, finished in second place. So his uh, golf. What date was that? That would have been, it was in August. Okay. He's fresh off that trip to Branson. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys play golf to practice? No, we played a lot of, uh, purchased a hacky sack. We, we played a lot of hacky sack. Also on that trip, that also on that trip, uh, Troy Moore with his guest, Jason Young. That's right. That's right. 
Well, after we uh, the the Bridgeport Little League All-Star team was ousted in the state tournament, there was still another tournament to be played in August, and that was going to be over in Vincennes that they put on a, uh, a team and there or put on a tournament. And there were several teams in this. I know Bridgeport, Olney, Lawrenceville, a team from North Knox. And I think there was two or three teams from Vincennes all played in this, and so we uh, we got in it, and we were sponsored by R L Parrot Construction. I remember that's how they referred to us in a lot of these uh, articles here. And uh, played several games in this tournament. I know I love playing there because they had a short. Their little league fields were about 180 all the way around, so there was lots of homers hitting this in this tournament. Uh, but I know in uh, th- in this tourney, let's see, we had a uh, this game. We beat Vincent's team number three. Says here, mm. Scott Murray and Matt McCullough both go three for three, while Chris Ralston clubbed a home run to power Bridgeport to an 11 to four win over Vincent's number three. Number Rodney three. Roderick added two hits for the winners. While Rob Waller, Eric Holtz, Gary Emmons all had one hit. And let's see here. So I know we won at least that game uh, there because we advanced on. Looks like this next one we had a uh, – we did lose to J&W Express out of Vincennes. They beat us 7-6. to six. We then were going to play Alney in the next game. I know we beat them 15-1. to one. Wonder why that, Hill, wonder why that one team got a name and the other one had, had to go by numbers. No one wanted to sponsor him, I, I guess. guess. <laughs> so when we beat Alney 15-1, to the uh, RL Parrot Construction belted four homers mm. in that game. So the, the winning continued. And then we played another game in the championship against J&W Express, and we got, got him back. Tom Hallfacker and Gary Emmons clubbed home runs Wednesday night, powering RL Construction of Bridgeport, Illinois, to a 5-2 victory over J&W Express. In the title game of the Little League Invitational at Lawson Field, was it the Bridgeport- next year when you hit so many homers over there? I think it was. No, it was this one. Okay. The Bridgeport team, after losing to JNW on Saturday, forced Tuesday's deciding game in the double elimination tourney with a seven nothing victory Monday night. It says under tourney rules, pitchers could only work three innings, and Hall Thacker and D Holloway pitched for Bridgeport and brought home the victory. And what I always remember, there's this is still have this on a. On video on a VHS tape, Chip. I don't know if this is one of the ones I gave to you or not. I've I don't know. Gone through that stack. I don't think it is. They still be here. I wish but, I had it. But this is one after there was a lot of uh, footage of the game that I'm not sure who took the footage. Um, I don't know if it was the Waller family or someone had it, but I know this is the word. Doug Hardacre. He did not coach us. John Putney, big John Putney. He helped Galen Holt, Holtz coach that team. I still remember John was coaching first base and wasn't looking in a. First base and missed a ball and hit John Wright in the face Ooh. as he was coaching first. Oh my. Took it right in the eye. Um, and that was a game where I talked about one of the – we'll talk about Red Hill's greatest fans of all time. I remember Lefty. Mm. I don't know what Lefty's first or last name necessarily was, but he went by Lefty, and he was there, and it was his birthday. And after the game, we gave him a game ball and sang him happy birthday on the field, and he was he started crying. It was like this – you know, you, anytime you see like an old guy cry, it always kind of gets you. I remember being, even being as a kid, yeah. um, uh, seeing seeing Lefty cry. Like I said, he was at a lot of games and loved watching us play. And that's where I remember being at the Vincent Pizza Hut post-game post for pizza – all you need is a miracle. Is played on the jukebox. I'll remember it to this day. Uh, again, that was kind of, kind of like the song of the summer for that team that had some pretty big comebacks to win. Um, but that led me. That's all, that's all I have for the month of August. I don't know if David had anything else that you want to talk about, or Brian. I I looked through. I said I really missed the daily record. Yeah, um, yeah, I missed August that big re- time research, and I could not find anything in the Vincent Sun commercial. Other, I found a little blurb about the about the All Star team, but you know the Gary covered. 
Yeah, um, this is that kind of time, right? Before uh, yeah, football practice, that, there's not really yeah. much going. on. 4-H fair's over. Football practice hasn't started yeah. yet. Little League's over. Babe Ruth League's over. So yeah. I think I this is the year. That's the year we did not have junior pro football, I'm pretty sure. I think my sixth grade yes. year, there was no yeah. football team. Yeah. Eighth grade, right. no, no yeah. football for me. Yeah. yeah. I had an idea this week. Um, I was I was Another looking at – uh, Yeah, I've got all kind of ideas. <laughs> um, I was looking through uh, – the chive and you know that they have lists of and it was like a list of pictures of cool things or whatever and this guy posted my pizza hut still looks like it did in 1985 i think pizza hut should do that because everyone went to pizza hut first of all and everybody likes the the sit down console of yeah. miss pac-man or whatever yeah. like I don't know how many people are eating in Pizza Huts right now, and I don't know if they how many they want yeah. to. A lot of them don't even have eat in anymore. I They're would just the pickup. Yeah. If I had yeah. eat in, I would go in and read. I think that should be a yeah. Pizza Hut thing where they all go back to the '80s and decorate their Pizza Hut. Like, that, well, that's a great no, because actually the one in Mount Carmel is yeah, that's pretty, still freestanding one. It's pretty. That's pretty close yeah. to, to the old style. I haven't been in there for a long time, but I mean, from the outside, it looks. Pretty well the same. I remember one yeah, time. Yeah, anytime we, there's a picture on social yeah. media of like an old pizza and like yeah. the little like chandelier thing yeah, that was like heavy yeah. like checker. It, yeah. it has that. It, People no, always I, go crazy over that. I probably it's been ten years probably since I've been in it down there. Yeah. And they had a sat they still had a salad bar in the middle and everything. I mean yeah. it's it's another so crazy wacky idea. All right, nineteen eighty six guys. That was uh that was a great great summer. Lots of fun, yeah, great it baseball, was. Yes, it was. locally and nationally great baseball. I mean, if you think about the just number of Hall of Famers we were watching in baseball or at least getting the scores for every day and that kind of stuff, and the music was, holy cow, the music was amazing. And it, anytime it, when you're a kid at 11, 12, or 13 years old, and then Brian coming to his own as a – I mean, there wasn't much to worry about in life back then in the summer of 86 except just having fun. Well, and that, you know, movies. I mean, like we said, that top grossing, top 10 movies, Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, Karate Kid Part 2, Star Trek Part 4, Back to School, Aliens, The Golden Child, Ruthless People, Ferris Two. We were going to the movies almost every single week to see yeah. something that I still stop and watch when it's right. out on now. You know, something real quick, too. I think a, a tennis major just ended, and I didn't even know one thing about that is even going on until I think it was over with. And that's back to, like, Wimbledon. I was looking. Yeah. Like, Boris Becker beat Yvonne Lindell in the championships at Wimbledon, and Martina Navratilova won yeah. Wimbledon yeah. that year. And it's like, oh, my. I mean, it's just like everything was such a uh, – It was. We cared about was, it a lot. I was, I was shocked this morning when I saw that the Denver Nuggets won the NBA title. Oh, I watched that. That was that a heck of a game. That was one heck of a game. I had no idea. Those were two basketball teams last Last night, flat out getting after it yeah, on both yeah, ends yeah. of the floor. That was a really, really fun, fun to game watch. to watch. It was. Uh, it still amazes me, though, that play, what was there, four minutes, five minutes left, that foul they called when Jimmy Butler shot that three in the court. How can they review a call and miss it that bad? I don't, I don't understand yeah, that. I was definitely, I loved the call, though, because I needed the heat to win. Financially, I needed the heat to win that game. So I was very happy with the official's decision on that call. But uh, I, I'm glad that didn't end, end up uh, end up affecting that game at all. And uh, Sorry, Chip, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already lost my bet. I said they were going to, I said Denver was going to sweep them, so I already lost mine. Well, listen, um, I, we appreciate so much the, our, our great, great sponsors, and we need to get some koozies back over to Bridgeport for all our listeners, but time that really bad for our music ending, but that's okay. We're not pros at this. We're, we're no, we're, we're, we should be. How many episodes have we done, Chip? We're about it's 70. Like, yeah. Getting close to 70. 
Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Written, directed, produced by Gary Emmons, David Keen, Chip Jamerson. I am Brian Emmons, and we are Red Hill. Let's go white.